Section 9 of The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, Volume 1A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government by Jefferson Davis, Volume 1A, Part 1, Chapter 9. Preparations for Withdrawal from the Union northern precedents new england secessionists cabot pickering quincy etc on the acquisition of louisiana the hartford convention the massachusetts legislature on the annexation of texas etc etc the convention of south carolina had already on the twentieth of december eighteen sixty unanimously adopted an ordinance revoking her delegated powers and withdrawing from the union her representatives on the following day retired from their seats in congress the people of the other planting states had been only waiting in the lingering hope that some action might be taken by congress to avert the necessity for action similar to that of south carolina in view of the failure of all overtures for conciliation during the first month of the session they were now making their final preparations for secession this was generally admitted to be an unquestionable right appertaining to their sovereignty as states and the only peaceable remedy that remained for the evils already felt and the dangers apprehended in the prior history of the country repeated instances are found of the assertion of this right and of a purpose entertained at various times to put it in execution notably is this true of massachusetts and other new england states the acquisition of louisiana in eighteen o three had created much dissatisfaction in those states for the reason expressed by an eminent citizen of massachusetts footnote george cabot who had been united states senator from massachusetts for several years during the administration of washington see life of cabot by lodge page three thirty four and footnote that the influence of our northeastern part of the union must be diminished by the acquisition of more weight at the other extremity the project of a separation was freely discussed with no intimation in the records of the period of any idea among its advocates that it could be regarded as treasonable or revolutionary colonel timothy pickering who had been an officer of the war of the revolution afterward successively postmaster-general secretary of war and secretary of state in the cabinet of general washington and still later long a representative of the state of massachusetts in the senate of the united states was one of the leading secessionists of his day writing from washington to a friend on the twenty fourth of december eighteen o three he says i will not yet despair i will rather anticipate a new confederacy exempt from the corruption and corrupting influence and oppression of the aristocratic democrats of the south there will be and our children at farthest will see it a separation the white and black population will mark the boundary in another letter written a few weeks afterward january twenty ninth eighteen o four speaking of what he regarded as wrongs and abuses 
perpetrated by the then existing administration he thus expresses his views of the remedy to be applied the principles of our revolution point to the remedy a separation that this can be accomplished and without spilling one drop of blood i have little doubt i do not believe in the practicability of a long-continued union a northern confederacy would unite congenial characters and present a fairer prospect of public happiness while the southern states having a similarity of habits might be left to manage their own affairs in their own way if a separation were to take place our mutual wants would render a friendly and commercial intercourse inevitable the southern states would require the naval protection of the northern union and the products of the former would be important to the navigation and commerce of the latter it the separation must begin in massachusetts the proposition would be welcomed in connecticut and could we doubt of new hampshire but new york must be associated and how is her concurrence to be obtained she must be made the centre of the confederacy vermont and new jersey would follow of course and rhode island of necessity substituting south carolina for massachusetts virginia for new york georgia mississippi and alabama for new hampshire vermont and rhode island kentucky for new jersey etc etc we find the suggestions of eighteen sixty to sixty one only a reproduction of those thus outlined nearly sixty years earlier mr pickering seems to have had a correct and intelligent perception of the altogether pacific character of the secession which he proposed and of the mutual advantages likely to accrue to both sections from a peaceable separation writing in february eighteen o four he explicitly disavows the idea of hostile feeling or action toward the south expressing himself as follows while thus contemplating the only means of maintaining our ancient institutions in morals and religion and our equal rights we wish no ill to the southern states and those naturally connected with them the public debts might be equitably apportioned between the new confederacies and a separation somewhere about the line above suggested would divide the different characters of the existing union the manners of the eastern portion of the states would be sufficiently congenial to form a union and their interests are alike intimately connected with agriculture and commerce a friendly and commercial intercourse would be maintained with the states in the southern confederacy as at present thus all the advantages which have been for a few years depending on the general union would be continued to its respective portions without the jealousies and enmities which now afflict both and which peculiarly embitter the condition of that of the north it is not unusual for two friends when disagreeing about the mode of conducting a common concern to separate and manage each in his own way his separate interest and thereby preserve a useful friendship which without such a separation would infallibly be destroyed such were the views of an undoubted patriot who had participated in the formation of the union and who had long been confidentially associated with washington 
in the administration of its government looking at the subject from a northern standpoint within fifteen years after the organization of that government under the constitution whether his reasons for advocating a dissolution of the union were valid and sufficient or not is another question which it is not necessary to discuss his authority is cited only as showing the opinion prevailing in the north at that day with regard to the right of secession from the union if deemed advisable by the ultimate and irreversible judgment of the people of a sovereign state in eighteen eleven on the bill for the admission of louisiana as a state of the union the hon josiah quincy a member of congress from massachusetts said if this bill passes it is my deliberate opinion that it is virtually a dissolution of this union that it will free the states from their moral obligation and as it will be the right of all so it will be the duty of some definitely to prepare for a separation amicably if they can violently if they must mr poindexter delegate from what was then the mississippi territory took exception to these expressions of mr quincy and called him to order the speaker mr varnum of massachusetts sustained mr poindexter and decided that the suggestion of a dissolution of the union was out of order an appeal was taken from this decision and it was reversed mr quincy proceeded to vindicate the propriety of his position in a speech of some length in the course of which he said is there a principle of public law better settled or more comfortable to the plainest suggestions of reason than that the violation of a contract by one of the parties may be considered as exempting the other from his obligations suppose in private life thirteen form a partnership and ten of them undertake to admit a new partner without the concurrence of the other three would it not be at their option to abandon the partnership after so palpable an infringement of their rights how much more in the political partnership where the admission of new associates without previous authority is so pregnant with obvious dangers and evils it is to be remembered that these men cabot pickering quincy and others whose opinions and expressions have been cited were not democrats misled by extreme theories of state rights but leaders and expositors of the highest type of federalism and of a strong central government this fact gives their support of the right of secession the greater significance the celebrated hartford convention assembled in december eighteen fourteen it consisted of delegates chosen by the legislatures of massachusetts rhode island and connecticut with an irregular or imperfect representation from the other two new england states new hampshire and vermont footnote maine was not then a state and footnote convened for the purpose of considering the grievances complained of by those states in connection with the war with great britain they sat with closed doors and the character of their deliberations and discussions has not been authentically disclosed it was generally understood however that the chief subject of their considerations was the question of the withdrawal of the states they represented from the union the decision 
as announced in their published report was adverse to the expediency of such a measure at that time and under the then existing conditions but they proceeded to indicate the circumstances in which a dissolution of the union might become expedient and the mode in which it should be effected and their theoretical plan of separation corresponds very nearly with that actually adopted by the southern states nearly fifty years afterward they say if the union can be destined to dissolution by reason of the multiplied abuses of bad administration it should if possible be the work of peaceable times and deliberate consent some new form of confederacy should be substituted among those states which shall intend to maintain a federal relation to each other events may prove that the causes of our calamities are deep and permanent they may be found to proceed not merely from the blindness of prejudice pride of opinion violence of party spirit or the confusion of the times but they may be traced to implacable combinations of individuals or of states to monopolize power and office and to trample without remorse upon the rights and interests of commercial sections of the union whenever it shall appear that the causes are radical and permanent a separation by equitable arrangement will be preferable to an alliance by constraint among nominal friends but real enemies the omission of the single word commercial which does not affect the principle involved is the only modification necessary to adapt this extract exactly to the condition of the southern states in 1860-61. The obloquy, which has attached to the members of the Hartford Convention, has resulted partly from a want of exact knowledge of their proceedings, partly from the secrecy by which they were veiled, but mainly because it was a recognized effort to paralyze the arm of the federal government while engaged in a war arising from outrages committed upon American seamen on the decks of american ships the indignation felt was no doubt aggravated by the fact that those ships belonged in a great extent to the people who were now plotting against the war measures of the government and indirectly if not directly giving aid and comfort to the public enemy time which has mollified passion and revealed many things not then known has largely modified the first judgment passed on the proceedings and purposes of the hartford convention and but for the circumstances of existing war which surrounded it they might have been viewed as political opinions merely and have received justification instead of censure again in eighteen forty four to forty five the measures taken for the annexation of texas evoked remonstrances accompanied by threats of a dissolution of the union from the northeastern states the legislature of massachusetts in eighteen forty four adopted a resolution declaring in behalf of that state that the commonwealth of massachusetts faithful to the compact between the people of the united states according to the plain meaning and intent in which it was understood by them is sincerely anxious for its preservation but that it is determined 
as it doubts not the other states are to submit to undelegated powers in no body of men on earth and that the project of the annexation of texas unless arrested on the threshold may tend to drive these states into a dissolution of the union early in the next year february eleventh eighteen forty five the same legislature adopted and communicated to congress a series of resolutions on the same subject in one of which it was declared that as the powers of legislation granted in the constitution of the united states to congress do not embrace a case of the admission of a foreign state or foreign territory by legislation into the union such an act of admission would have no binding force whatever on the people of massachusetts language which must have meant that the admission of texas would be a justifiable ground for secession unless it was intended to announce the purpose of nullification it is evident therefore that the people of the south in the crisis which confronted them in eighteen sixty had no lack either of precept or of precedent for their instruction and guidance in the teaching and the example of our brethren of the north and east the only practical difference was that the north threatened and the south acted end of chapter nine